Welcome to Speak Out, Stand Out by Green Communications, where we're learning how to help our kids become better communicators. We believe our voices are the strongest asset we have, and our mission is to empower the next generation to use their voices to make a difference in the world around them. Whether you are a parent, an educator, or are just invested in today's youth, we hope this podcast will help you build confidence in our future one voice at a time. Welcome back to Speak Out, Stand Out. I'm Elizabeth Green, and today's guest is Rachel Bailey. Rachel is a parenting specialist who's been serving families for over a decade. And besides being a mother of two, she also has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a certification in positive discipline, and has provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, and therapist. She has a podcast, programs, and services where she's always teaching parents hands-on tools for raising resilient, confident kids. So you you have the personal experience and you have the training. We always like that um, because it's one thing to have the training, but not the actual personal experience. So very well oh, experience, yes, as a parent. <laughs> exactly what the parents I serve are going through, yes. <laughs> well, I'm super glad to have you here, Rachel. And I mean, is, is that how you went down this path because of your own experience as a mom? Sort of. I actually started when I was in graduate school for clinical psych. I was going to be a neuropsychologist. That was my goal, but I got pregnant along the, re along the way. So then I was a therapist for a few years and realized I needed to transition to working with parents. And I did sort of general parenting for maybe eight years. But then when I realized I'm a highly sensitive parent with two kids with big emotions, then I actually kind of niched my business into helping parents of kids with big emotions. So there's a little bit of personal reason for doing that. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's challenges. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, let's dive in. You said you're a parent of kids with big emotions. I mm -hmm. think most of us have probably heard that phrase thrown around, but what exactly does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question because I actually didn't even make that phrase up. I just heard it so often that that's what I started to say. I really help parents of children who are sensitive anxious and or strong-willed. So you sort of see the behavior in kids who, um, it, it can be, you know, loud, like what we think, like they're having tantrums or they're being really disrespectful when things don't go their way or getting really upset. But it can also be the more quiet child who, you know, when you say, hey, did you put your dishes away? They get really upset, like, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad child because I didn't do something right. So it's just really any child who feels deeply. And when I narrowed to this field, I thought, oh my gosh, it's too narrow. But what I found is like 80% of families have at least one child with big emotions. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that because I have always thought of uh, my oldest is um, a strong willed child. I've mm -hmm. always kind of categorized him in that way. My younger one is like the one you just said that would be so hard on himself if he forgot to do something. So I've never categorized him in that realm. So I'm um, really interested for this conversation then because that's eye-opening to me. Yeah, because the behavior is so different, but what's underneath is the same. Yeah. And so, I mean, so obviously it is something underneath, right? I mean, it, you know, people, I always hear people say all reactions are all, um, all, what is the word? I can't think of it right now. It's not coming like to my mind. Behaviors, all maybe? behavior, all mm -hmm. behavior is communication, exactly right? So right. is that what it boils down to that our kids just don't know how to communicate through their feelings? Yes, a part, that's partly what it is. And it's very true that our behavior is just really an indication of what's going on inside of us. Even as parents, we're in a good place. We act one way when we're not, we act in another way. So yeah. what it is for kids who feel strongly is that they do feel discomfort more strongly, more quickly 
So they are, they literally are, their nervous systems are slightly different. They feel things like discomfort, disappointment, frustration, um, depending on the child, you know, some kids when they feel out of control or when they feel that they're not sure how things are going to go, they feel that very strongly and they don't have the capacity to regulate maturely. So what you see in the behavior is really what I say. It's a sign that what I call their yuck or their discomfort is bigger than their coping skills. That's what it is. But so they're coping in unhealthy ways, like through the strong will behavior or through the I hate myself and I'm a bad child. Those are all just unhealthy ways of coping with the big feelings they have inside. But So it's not just that they don't know how to cope with it. You're saying there, there's literally something different happening inside of them that there's we can't say, different. you know, well, it, you could handle this better. Maybe they really can't, right? Is that what you're That's- saying? That's exactly right. Not only can they really not handle it better, but when we imply that they can, or we, you know, kind of let lecture them or tell them why they should handle it differently, it actually really impacts their self-esteem, which is one of the things I'm very concerned about. Kids with big emotions are much more likely to have low self-esteem. And that leads to other problems later, more negative behavior and other things that we don't even want to think about. So yeah, we, they genuinely can't do something different until we teach them. And we, and if we imply that they can, they just feel worse about themselves. Gotcha. And I, I know too, whenever I've heard big emotions, I picture the toddler, mm-hmm. you know, that's very upset that they can't get the block in the thing and they throw, they throw the block, right? But unless we, even even when we teach our kids how to handle this, this is something that's going to continue yeah. throughout their life, right? I mean, exactly. how do we address this with kids who are, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 and are yeah, still struggling are, with that? Absolutely. And those are the kids that I work with. I actually don't work with toddlers. I work with sort of post-toddlers. I myself am an adult who's highly sensitive and still have big feelings. So it goes throughout your life. It's a temperament that you have. Um, And there are absolutely ways that we can help older children. But what I will say is we have different expectations. So it almost makes it harder. Well, you're eight. You should know how to do that. You're 13. You should know how to do that. And again, because we never taught them um, and their nervous systems are slightly, you know, they interpret things more deeply, then they just get more and more frustrated with themselves. And then those big feelings get bigger and bigger because now they're feeling guilty and bad and shame and all this stuff. So yeah, there are ways that we can, we can and should teach our older kids as well to handle these big feelings. Okay. And I, I mean, I hate to hear that, that, you know, they're going to continue to struggle, but I'm glad to hear you say that it's not too late for those of us with kids in that range, that it's not too late to help them navigate through this. Absolutely. And they're going to continue to have these feelings, but that doesn't mean they're going to continue to struggle because what we teach, what I teach, and I'll, we'll go into some strategies if you'd like, is how do we teach kids to have emotions, but not be controlled by their emotions? So when they're eight or 10 or 12, when their teacher is mean to them, or when you ask them to, you know, do a homework assignment they don't want to do, they can feel the feelings that come up, but they don't have to become disrespectful to you or turn it in on themselves and say, I'm so stupid. We, let, we teach them how to have their feelings without those feelings taking over. I am really glad that this is a conversation that we have in today's age because I feel like growing up and even still now, you know, especially I'm a parent of boys. It's, you know, the whole idea of hiding those or suppressing oh. emotions. Oh, boys don't cry. Boys don't need to cry about this. You're too old. You're a boy. You know what I mean? Yes. And um, I, I, so I think it's great that we're having this conversation. People are realizing that's not a, a healthy way to teach our children or boys to grow up to be men and how they can express their emotions, you know? That's right. It has severe repercussions when we do that. Yeah, it really does on their relationships, on their self-image. Um, it can make them more angry because they do feel things and we're yeah. telling them to kind of stuff their feelings and then it just comes out in different ways. Yeah. So you mentioned strategies. That's what we're all about here. We want strategies. What are things that we can start doing today 
to help our kids, especially in that tween teen age range, start to navigate their emotions, have have their emotions, but like you said, learn how to handle them in a way that's not going to harm them or harm other people. Yeah, absolutely. So here's what I will tell you. The basic thing you want to know about big emotions is that when a child's having a big reaction or small reaction, but they're having a reaction that's disproportionate in some way is that they are dysregulated. That's what that means. They have, their brain has sensed some sort of threat. And remember they sense threats more easily, more quickly, or discomfort more quickly. They have sensed a threat and they've gone into fight or flight. These behaviors that we see, the disrespect, the shutting down, the melting down, the uh, no, I'm not going to do it. All the strong will behavior. These are all symptoms that they're in fight or flight, that they felt some sort of discomfort. So to get them out of fight or flight, they just have to be re-regulated. And it's all about re-regulating is all about safety. So first step is actually our energy. For better or worse, kids with big emotions sense you know, their environment very strongly. And if we are dysregulated when they're dysregulated, they're going to stay stuck in what I call yuck, that discomfort space where fight or flight is kicked in. They're going to stay stuck in yuck for longer. So in the programs that I actually teach when we go into strategy, because that's my favorite thing, the how-to, we actually start with us. And one of the first things I teach is stop seeing your child's big emotions as a threat. So I teach parents to say to themselves, this is not a threat. Of course, my child is upset because, and then I help help them get into their child's shoes. And the reason we do that is because we have to stay out of fight or flight in order to help them get out of fight or flight. So we have to teach our brains that it's safe, that this is not a threat that helps us regulate, which helps them regulate. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I've never thought of that. I've never felt, and I, obviously we're not talking about like a, a an older child who's being physically aggressive. In just a regular situation, I've never thought that maybe my child's quote unquote bad behavior was threatening to me, but you're telling me my brain is, my brain is thinking that just not in those words. Yeah. So you can, you can substitute the word threat with a problem or a bad thing or any, our brain. That's why I use the phrase yuck, because our brain will interpret anything, a problem, bad, this is not okay. I can't believe this is happening. All of that turns on fight or flight. So it doesn't actually matter whether it's a true threat or not. Our brain senses something bad or off and we go into fight or flight because we're survival based creatures. So our brain is naturally trained to go into that state really, really easily. So when we interpret that and even aggression, believe it or not, even aggression in older kids, we can still not see it as a threat. And I teach strategies for that in my programs. It is not a threat because if we see it as a threat or as a problem, a bad thing, whatever, anything uncomfortable, we go into fight or flight again. That actually makes them remain dysregulated. Okay. So I can literally just tell myself in this situation, my child's very angry about having to do the dishes or whatever is the the, the big issue of the day. I can literally just tell myself in my head or in another room out loud if I need to, that this is not a threat. That's all I need to do. You have to believe that. You can't try to trick your fight or flight response. And you also can't use willpower. That's, that's another thing that I teach. You can't like bear down. Like I know I'm supposed to say calm. I know I'm supposed to say, you can't do that. So one of the things that I teach is why is this not a threat? It's not a threat because simply a child who's in this place, their yuck is bigger than their skills. That's all it is. So the first like couple of parts of my program are teaching parents to understand what their kids are going through to see that it really isn't a threat. And yes, as soon as you believe that it's not a problem, it's not a threat, I can handle this. Here's why it's happening. Other people have gone through this. So it's like a a series of um, questions you ask yourself that truly train your brain to say, oh, this is not that big of a deal. You stay regulated. It doesn't mean you're not going to address it. It means you address it from a regulated state. Okay. 
And then, and so how do we address it? I mean, if we're talking about communication and building communication skills in our kids, how do we say, you, you don't need to act like that over doing the dishes? <laughs> yeah. So you can imagine that that's one of the worst things we can say to them because what we're basically doing is telling them they're wrong or they're bad. And I know you know that you probably use that mm -hmm. example for that reason. When we tell them they're wrong or they're bad for feeling how they're feeling, then they actually stay more dysregulated. They stay in fight or flight. What we actually need to communicate is energy and not words. So this is definitely, I know, a type of communication you discuss as well, but it's really nonverbal. When a, when a human being, not just kids, but when we're in fight or flight, our fight or flight response is, especially for kids who feel strongly, we're responding to the energy. And if our energy is judgmental, like you shouldn't be doing that, why are you doing that? Or you're 10 years old, you shouldn't be doing that. That actually stay, helps them stay stuck. So, so much of in the moment, and I'm not a big fan of in the moment responding to big emotions. I teach parents how to make it less likely that their kids are going to have the big emotions. But once they're having them, it's really the communication is through our energy, through when we are regulated. What happens is kids travel what I call the yuck curve. So when someone's, when a child's in yuck or an adult's in yuck, our yuck follows like a rainbow-shaped curve. So the yuck gets bigger, it reaches a peak, and it comes down. And so what you see when they're on the yuck curve is their yuck behavior, the disrespect, the defiance, the shutting down, the melting down. And what happens is, again, it gets bigger, it reaches a peak, and it comes down naturally. We don't have to do anything except not make it worse. Nature will actually allow them to re-regulate, especially if we're regulated. So we don't have to do very much. Our communication is through energy. So do you ever think that it's better to lead, to separate yourself from this situation? If it's, if it's affecting me and I'm having a hard time staying calm, is it better for me just to leave the situation and come back when it's come down from that curve? Is that ever the yes, answer? for sure. For sure, it's better. However, here, the, I always get the complicating factors. Yes, textbook, you should leave. Here's what parents will say. But Rachel, I leave and they come running after me. So yeah. here's what there are a couple of, and that's what happens with most families. So there are a couple of things to know. This is one of the reasons I, my podcast is called Your Parenting Long Game. And I talk about long game parenting is not in the moment parenting. But here's what you need to know about in the moment is they are going to get more upset because remember, we're trying to help them feel safe. And when we walk away, they feel less safe. So that's yeah. why they chase after us. They're like my safety, my love, or they also, a lot of kids when they're hurting and they're frustrated and they're feeling yuck, they want us to hurt too. A lot of kids with big emotions don't want to hurt alone. So they'll try to do something. So that's why they run after us. So there are a couple of things we can do about that. Number one, we can say, I do need to leave knowing that they're going to chase after me and I just have to do what I have to do and then we'll reset later. Or mm -hmm. I also teach parents how to stay regulated no matter what's happening around them so they don't have to leave. So either way, in the short term, leave if you have to, knowing your child may run, they may try to find you. You might have to put on noise-canceling earphones to re-regulate yourself in the short run. But in the long run, we can learn that no matter what's happening around us, we can stay regulated because that's what we're trying to teach our kids, right? We're trying mm -hmm. to teach our kids with big emotions, no matter what's happening, you can regulate. So we need to model that as well. So I think what you said, though, it sounds you said you teach parents how to stay regulated regardless of the situation. That sounds yeah. like like a magic potion or something. It doesn't seem possible. Oh, I know. And that's not my personality. So my personality, I'm the one who if like the milk spills, I'm like, like I have this big reactive personality. So everything I'm talking about, I have to practice on a daily basis. It is not easy. And yet what I find is someone who for whom this doesn't come naturally is that with strategies, it's possible. And we can't expect our kids 
to be able to handle challenges if we can't handle challenges. So it's like, we kind of got to have to do the work too. Yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. definitely well, so I, I know you said you gave us a strategy. We have to regulate ourselves, tell ourselves we're, we're not, it's not a threat and believe it. Do you have another strategy before we kind of dive more into the kids aspect that we can, we can do for ourselves? Yeah. Well, so as I've, I've said, I don't love in the moment strategies because our fight or flight response is very, very strong. It's very primitive. It hasn't developed much as far as much as human brains have developed. The fight or flight response has not. So it's very hard to overcome our yuck. So what I teach a lot of is how do we address situations out of the moment? So one of the lessons in my program is actually teaching us to not be triggered so much to begin with. So we think about why are we getting triggered? So here's a strategy, a couple of questions I ask. Ask yourself about a situation that triggers you. Maybe your child's like rolling their eyes. Think about your your past, present, and future. So your past. What did you learn in your past from your childhood or parents about this behavior that makes it bad? Like we probably learned, oh, you can't get away with rolling your eyes. So we actually have to recognize what we learned in the past affects us now. And also our fear of the future affects us now. It makes us triggered. So if we think, well, yeah, of course I'm triggered when they roll their eyes because then they're going to be disrespectful to their teachers and their boss and they're never going to. So we have to recognize how our fear of the future triggers us and then our present life, how it triggers us. Well, I don't want to let them roll their eyes because I'm exhausted and I can't do with that. So we actually work through our past, our fear of the future, and our present, and then then we don't get as triggered to begin with. So that's more of a proactive strategy where it's like the best thing we can do for our children in that moment is to not be affected by our past, our fear of the future, or our present level of yuck. And that's a strategy I teach as well. And but you, but we can do that just by thinking through those things in our head, right? Because obviously we're going to have our instinctive reaction or hurt feelings or whatever when they behave that way. But then yeah. we just need to separate ourselves for a second and think through why. So this what is we do is we work through the, these things, and then we create what I call a when-then plan. Because the way we overcome our past, our fear of the future, and the present is by circumventing our fight or flight response by saying, yeah, those things are going to trigger me, but I want to decide how I'm going to react. When my child rolls their eyes at me, I am going to remind myself that this isn't a threat. I'm going to give myself a tight squeeze. And then I'm going to say to my child, I'm right here and not expect that to change them because they have to travel the curve. So we create statements of both thought and action outside of the moment because we know that being triggered by our past, our future, and our present isn't going to help. So we say, what does our child need in that moment? And I know, I mean, this is what, what people work through in my program. It's not like a quick, oh, this is what I need to do. I help them find the plan that works for them. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and what parent doesn't want to be able to be prepared to handle these situations? So we don't lay in bed that night and think about yeah. how we regret the way we did handle it. You know? Right. When then plans are very powerful for this. We decide outside of the moment how we want to respond in the moment. And it, and it, again, it circumvents our fight or flight response. Yeah. Gotcha. So you've said that energy, the energy we give, it's not what we say. It's the way we communicate through our energy. Um, a little bit of an offshoot on that. What if you have the child that is um, a, a more anxious child and more introverted child and they don't explode, but you know that something has really bothered them and it's the mom's instinct to want to fix it. And yes. I'm guilty of this all the time with my son and just begging him almost to tell me what's wrong yeah, so that I can fix it. Even though I know, you know, yeah. what do you say in those situations? How do we parent a child like that? Yeah. So our instinct to fix is so huge, especially with our children. And in our defense, we did have to fix everything for the first like two years of their lives. We had to feed <laughs> them and change them. And uh, and no one told us we had to stop, but we have to. 
<laughs> we have to stop because when we try to fix our kids all the time, it actually increases their anxiety. And even if we do fix things, it makes them more dependent on us. So most of my families I work with have at least an anxious, one anxious child. And I have to work with them a lot on not trying to fix. That's our own yuck, our own discomfort. We're trying to fix because we don't want them to be uncomfortable because we don't know how to be uncomfortable. So, so much of this is teaching our kids that we can handle discomfort. It's just a feeling. It will pass as they travel the curve, that yuck curve that I mentioned earlier. We have to learn how to handle our discomfort and actually be present with them and their feelings without trying to fix. Because again, that has negative repercussions. So, so even if a child says something like, I hate myself, a lot of parents will say, what do I say when my child says, I hate myself? What you want to do is not discount them and not say, but why do you hate yourself? You're so good at math and you're so artistic. And all that does is it tells them their feelings are wrong. What you want to say when they say, I hate myself is that sounds really hard. I'm just going to sit here with you right now. And that's it. And they will naturally feel what they feel. And when they notice we're regulated and we can handle their emotions, their brain says, ah, maybe I can handle this discomfort too. And that's in the, in an in the moment response. Again, there's so many things we do outside of the moment for our kids, but in the moment, it's really just about showing them we can handle their feelings. So they learn they can handle their feelings. Gotcha. Okay. So one final question for you. What do we do with kids that are, um, I can't think of the words are not coming to me today. Um, reactive or, um, what is the word? My goodness. There is a word to describe it. It's just not coming to me. They, they react very quickly without thinking. Um, and yes, sometimes impulsive. like an, impulsive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What do we yeah. do with our impulsive kids where, I mean, I know we're talking long game strategy, right? But still, mm-hmm. what do we do in the moment, especially if we're, they're impulsive in a way that could be harmful to them? Yeah. So it depends, like it could be harmful to them in what way? Like, give me an example and then I can respond to that. Like maybe hitting a wall or, you know, being physical in some way. Yeah. Okay. So physical aggression. So mm-hmm. basically what we want to do with physical aggression is recognize this is an, a very dysregulated child, unless they're hitting out of the blue, which is something else. But if they're hitting because they're really upset, then they're dysregulated. And we actually have to help them re-regulate by setting a firm boundary and being confident ourselves. This is why you know, we mentioned aggression. How could you possibly stay regulated when a child is aggressive? That's when they need your regulation even more, because if you become dysregulated, they become more dysregulated and it makes it worse. So one of the things that we do is we set a limit and depending on the situation, I'm going to give you a very generic situation. If a child is hitting, we actually can go over to them and say, I won't let you do that. And we can hold them and we can say, I I won't let you hit. It's my job to keep everyone safe. And what that does is, does it make them happy? No, it doesn't make them happy, but it shows them that we're there, we're safe, and it gives them sort of a boundary to almost rebel against so they can release all of those yuck feelings inside. When a child has a lot of big feelings, they need to be released. And being firm, a firm parent and a consistent parent actually allows them to release and then they feel better, not worse. So that's a very generic answer for aggression, but we actually want to set a limit and stay regulated ourselves, knowing that they are going to have to travel the curve and it'll get worse before it gets better. So that's an example. And, of how we do it. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great example. And I think, I mean, what you're saying, it just boils down to in order for us to raise these, these young humans to be grown humans. It, it all has to start with us, right? We, we can't skip over our own feelings and the way we handle things, right? It's, that's just, it's not going to work. It does. And even the proactive strategies, which again is like most of what I teach is the proactive strategies. It's still, it's things like, 
Um, you know, kids with big emotions need a lot of consistency in the home. That's a lot of what I work with parents on. The more chaos there is, the more your child is going to feel it. So there are things we can do proactively, but a lot of it starts with us. It doesn't end with us. I absolutely think we need to know we need to teach our kids their own coping strategies. But what I always say is that's a skill they need to learn and yuck trumps skills. So if we are in yuck, they sense that they can't u- learn or use their skills. So we absolutely have to teach them these skills, but we can't expect them to use them until we are regulated and we have set them up in a situation where they can't use them. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, th- I know we've just had a very short conversation, but it's been really fantastic. I've learned a lot. And Rachel, I know you, so you mentioned your podcast, which of course we'll link to, but people can also work with you in private settings and group settings. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I do have a, a group program that I work with. I work with people one-on-one on a very limited basis. Mostly it's a group program that I have. It's a membership. And so there's a curriculum that I offer. And then I do live Q&As very frequently in there. So it's really them working through this program. And the whole purpose of this program is to help us regulate ourselves, help us set limits for kids who may have some either explosive or quiet reactions to our limits and then how to teach them to be more resilient to begin with so that it isn't so hard for them when we set limits or when we tell them that things aren't going to go their way. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to be checking this out myself. I know going into this conversation today, earlier when I was thinking of big emotions and knowing we were going to talk about that again, visualizing toddlers and feeling like, man, I wish I would have talked to her like 15 years ago, you know? <laughs> but now, no, you've made me feel a lot better that, you know, even with our teens and teens that it, you oh, know, we can absolutely. I didn't it. learn this stuff until I was in my twenties and I'm a highly sensitive person, late twenties, how to deal with my own emotions. So absolutely. We're way ahead of the game. If we're, even if we're working with teens, we're way ahead of the game. Yeah. That's great news to me, and I'm sure many people listening too. So, well, Rachel, again, we really appreciate your time and your insight. We'll link to everything so you can connect with Rachel, follow her on social, check out her podcast, and check out her group membership. And again, just thanks for all your expertise. Thanks for having me here. If you are looking for more ways to build communication skills in your kids, grab our free mini lesson on how to craft a polished and professional speech out of thin air, along with 52 fun prompts so your kids can practice every single week. You can find that along with info about our upcoming public speaking and debate courses for kids at greencommunicationsedu.com.